Good morning, everyone. And each and every week we say it without fail, God is good, and all the time, amen. That is a great truth. So for you guys who don't know, my name is Pastor Eric. I'm an associate slash youth pastor here on staff, um, and it's my absolute privilege to be bringing our mental health series to a close today. We've spent six weeks, six of the past weeks, including today, talking about mental health. The first three weeks, we're just kind of talking about what is mental health from a biblical perspective. That's when we had all these cards up here. Um, if you guys are interested about it and this is your first time, all of our sermons are on YouTube or a podcast at Montclair.Church, so you can find it there. But that was a great three series. And then we started talking about anxiety, and then we moved from anxiety to shame. And today, if you guys remember from the beginning, we were going to talk about depression. And I did say we were going to. Because as I really started digging deep into depression and the biblical sense of depression and even the psychological sense of depression, and I should have realized this before, it is complex. It is extremely complex, and I felt like I would not do its service trying to simplify it enough to fit into a 30-minute message. So I do want to have a conversation about depression. I don't want to do it today. Um, we may be doing it in a lesson in the future, but if you guys were really looking forward to that and you were saying, man, I really wanted to hear that message about depression, I would love to talk to you. I would love to have a conversation with you because again, it's more complex if you set aside maybe an hour, we may be able to get through a lot of it, but not all of it. But I would love to have a conversation. So my business card and Lee's business card is in the back. You have my cell phone number there, my email, and I would absolutely love to continue that conversation one-on-one. -on -one. And then hopefully in the future when I've done some more research and I've really prayed about it and we've gotten it, maybe we'll have two or three lessons about depression. But today we're not gonna talk about that because I don't wanna do a disservice to a mental illness or anything like that. But then that left me talking about what am I supposed to talk about today? So it's really easy when the topic's right in front of you, but I now had to decide a whole new topic. So you guys can already see it up there, but I really wanted an applicable way that we can all take home from the end of the series we just did on mental health. We've talked about what mental health is, we've talked about anxiety, we've talked about shame, and in each one of those, we've kind of given you guys ways to apply that. I wanted the last message in this series to be five biblical principles for mental health. And the wording of that's very important, because when I was Googling and I was watching sermons, there was a bunch of videos called five biblical principles on overcoming mental health, or five biblical principles on making your mental health better. I'm not teaching a self-help message here. What I am gonna teach is from a biblical perspective what we see that can help our mental health. It won't make you overcome your anxiety, it won't make you overcome your depression, it won't make you overcome any of the mental illnesses or mental health problems you have, but it will help. And it will help in guiding us to become more like Christ, and it will help in guiding our minds to be more like Christ as well. So with that, I wanna pray, and then we'll get started. God, thank you so much for being a loving God. A God who is good, and I know we say it each and every week, and sometimes it's hard to believe, but you are a good God. You're a God who loves us despite all of our shortcomings, despite our awful fallings, despite anything we've ever done, Lord. You still love us and you care for us, and we thank you for that amazing gift that was on the cross for us. And today, as I preach on five principles that we see in your word, I ask that you take away my words and that you replace them with yours, Lord, that your Holy Spirit moves, that your Holy Spirit interprets my words, and that you will be the one talking today, not me, Lord. And I ask that you will help interpret your word that we can all understand. In Jesus' name, amen. And I know I said before we get, begin, but before we begin for real now, we have to tackle one more topic quickly before we dig into the scripture, which is what Lee read. And this is kind of the idea of psychology and counseling first the Bible. Because for a lot of times, and I even grew up with this, when the college I went with 
we had a counseling program and there's one of my professors who really disagreed with counseling as an entirety. It was really sad because he didn't think that we should ever go to counseling, we should just go to our pastors, which is great, but there's people who really do suffer with anxiety, there's people who suffer with depression, there's people who suffer, and the pastors cannot be equipped to handle everything. And the Bible doesn't hold all the answers. And now I want to qualify that. It holds all of the guiding principles. It doesn't hold absolutely everything. So there's kind of two camps that you can fall into. There's actually more, but the two sides, the far, this side and that side, is saying the Bible is the only thing we should ever pay attention to. I'm never going to a counselor. DSM-5, throw it out. Psychology, throw it out. The Bible is my guiding. I won't look anywhere else. And there's kind of the other side of Krishna that says, man, psychology, that's amazing. I'm going to make the Bible kind of fit into that. Counseling, all of these techniques, yeah, that may not really line up with scripture, but I'm going to make it kind of line up with scripture. And these are the two sides, and both sides aren't completely wrong, but there's a better place to meet right in the middle, as there almost always is. The middle ground is one of the best places to be, but that middle ground is saying, yes, the Bible is our guiding source for everything. Yes, the Bible talks about a lot of things, yet psychology can help us further that understanding. Psychology can help us further the understanding of what anxiety looks like in the brain, of what techniques we can use to keep our anxiety under wraps, what techniques we can use when we're grieving. Psychology helps with that, and our Bible helps us make meaning of everything. It helps us with principles on grounding. It helps us with a lot of principles. And then even in this middle ground, there's kind of two lenses you can look at stuff from. You can look at it from a biblical lens, which is saying, hey, there's this counseling technique called grounding, and we'll talk about it later, and it's talking about grounding yourself to reality. You can say, man, that really lines up with the Bible, and that's basically what prayer is. It's aligning myself up with what God, said, God says. Or you can look at the Bible through a lens of psychology and saying, oh, man, this kind of love yourself movement of saying, hey, you should accept everything and never change anything about yourself. That sounds great. It makes me happy, and I'm, I'm going to kind of squeeze that in to the Bible. So the way we want to look at stuff is through biblical lens, not through psychological lens. We want to look at psychology through the biblical lens as we look at absolutely everything in our lives. It's the same way we look at our jobs, it's the same way we look at our relationships, the same way we look at life is through a biblical lens. So the point of today's message is to go over five principles, but it's also to offer you guys a viewpoint on how you can look through the Bible, how you can look at psychology, how you can look at counseling, how you can look at mental health and mental illnesses, through a biblical lens, and how you can get principles to help you through that. So today what we're going to be doing is we're not going to start with a psychological um, viewpoint. We're going to start with the Bible, then from the Bible we're going to dig a little bit deeper, and then we're going to learn how to apply it. And then after we learned how to apply it, each one of these points, I'm going to share with what the psychological, the counseling world says about that thing. So we're going to start in the same place Lee started, and it's actually cool, there's five principles back to back to back in these verses. And we read about the first principle and they all start with R, so it should be easy to remember. It sometimes make it harder for me to remember, but everyone else seems to make it easier. The first principle is rejoice. And we read this in Philippians 4, 4 through 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. This is calling for in the midst of trouble, in the midst of depression, in the midst of anger, in the midst of everything, we need to rejoice. It seems completely counterintuitive when the world is falling apart, when there's so much evil, when there's so much sadness, when there's just a sadly and devastating school shooting next week, how can I rejoice? 
How can I be happy about things? It calls us to rejoice even though this world is broken. This world has fallen apart. It just seems so counterintuitive, yet we see this over and over and over again, a call to rejoice. And again, rejoice may seem like a weird, weird word, but it just means to give thanks, to be grateful, to give thanks for what you do have and for what God has blessed you with. But we see this in the Bible three other times, more than three other times, so I'll read three other times right here. Read in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Psalms 136.1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalms 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. When I typed in this word rejoice, there was 300 plus verses that talked about giving joy, about giving thanks, about being grateful for the things in this world. So it's not just this one-off thing that God said and said, if you can kind of fit it in your life, you should give thanks for the things you have. He's making it a point to say, we need to give thanks even when this world is falling apart. And I know a lot of you guys, and myself included, this is not natural. If you were to tell me to go write down 10 things that were on my mind this morning, eight of those things would be things that are wrong or things that I need to fix or things that are evil in this world. And two of those things, if it's a good day, would be things I'm grateful for. And some of you guys may be like that as well, and if you're not, I applaud you because I wish I was more grateful in my life on a daily basis without making it intentional. But sometimes we need to be intentionally grateful because this world tells us we need to focus on the negatives. We need to focus on everything that's going wrong in our world, and I'm not saying that you need to ignore those things. I'm not saying to ignore the pain, to ignore the hurt, to ignore the grief, to ignore all of those things that are wrong in this world. In fact, we're told the complete opposite. We're told to acknowledge it and show the love of God to others who are in hurt. And we're told to acknowledge it and accept the love that God gives us when we are hurt. So we're not supposed to ignore it, but we're also supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to give thanks. We're supposed to thank God for everything. And this could look as simple as just thanking God for the grace that washes over us each and every morning, each and every hour, each and every minute. We could be thanking God for Jesus Christ and the gift he has given us. We'd be thanking God for the family he has given us, for the relationships he has given us, for his scripture, for the love he has given us, for the forgiveness, for God being in control, and so much more. But the thing is, this needs to be intentional. So as I said, and I believe a lot of you guys are like me, we tend to focus on the negatives. But we need to be intentionally focused on giving joy because it does not come naturally to us. So a few ways we can do this, and it can all be summarized by just noticing the good things, but you can do this by making a list of just sitting down and making a thankful list, writing 10 things you're thankful for, or if you can't get that much, write three, and then come back to it in a couple hours and write a couple more. This could be just praying an intentional prayer of thanksgiving to God, of thanking him for everything he's done for you, or thanking him for all the grace he's given you, of just thanking him. You could write a journal if you like that. You could write a thank you letter to a friend who helped you in a hard time. It could be serving others. It can just be as simple as noticing the little things. Noticing that in the morning you weren't as tired as you were the day before, and noticing that you have more energy today than other days. We need to be more grateful. We need to be more thankful. We need to be more rejoiceful because God commands it. And it really does help our mental health. In counseling, and I forget the practice, but there was a, one practice we were talking about with people who were catastrophizing situations. And one of the things was to talk about them and give them a list and say, hey, please list out everything you're grateful for. Because when you're in this circumstance and you feel like everything's hopeless, everything's overwhelming, everything is just in despair, you miss out on a lot of things you could be thankful for. 
You miss out on a lot of things that are great in this world because all you can focus on is that wall right there that seems impossible to climb. But meanwhile, behind you, there's this huge banquet with steak and whatever else you want. There's always things to be thankful for. And I was kind of curious about what the science between gratitude would be. <laughs> I was surprised that there's actually a lot of research done about gratitude. In the Berkeley College, they did a research overview, because I wasn't going to read every single study. But it was 72 pages. And I didn't mean to read 72 pages, but I probably read about 50 of them, because I was really interested. And I'm going to summarize it in one statement. That way, you guys don't have to sit through me reading 56 pages of a research study that you probably don't care about. But it stated that gratitude can make people happier, improve relationships, boost self-esteem, lessen stress, anxiety, and in some cases, it can counteract depression or suicidal thoughts. And there was also a different study that looked at literally the brain and how it changed, and it realized that gratitude, when you were being more grateful for stuff, it released I didn't really, sorry. It reduced the cortisol, cortisol levels in our brain, which basically means the stress level in our brain. It's the stress enzyme that causes us to be more anxious, to be more stressed, to be more worried about this world. It literally reduced that chemical in our brain. So in this first mental health um, principle, this biblical principle for mental health, is to be more grateful, to give rejoice for the things you do have in this world, to make a list of stuff you're grateful for, to thank God for what he has done for us, to rejoice. Because God commands us first, but then we also see that through counseling it was effective, and through science and the study of it, it is also effective in helping in many ways. And it gives glory to God when he deserves it. And the second principle is in Philippians 4, 6. It's immediately after this one. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And this is the verse almost that's always claimed when someone's suffering with anxiety, we show them this verse and say, don't be anxious for anything, just pray to God. And it seems like this extremely simple thing. And you're like, how could that ever work? That's not going to make me less anxious. That's going to make me more anxious because now I have more things to worry about. But just because, it's not, just because it's simple doesn't mean it doesn't work. It does work. It is amazing the power that, pray, that prayer has over anxiety, that prayer has over our lives. And to kind of simplify the explanation of that, is anxiety, and again, we did a message on anxiety two weeks ago that Pastor Lee did. So if you guys want to learn more about that, you can obviously go to that message on anxiety. Um, but we're going to quickly cover it. Anxiety comes from focusing on a circumstance or situation that we have very little to no control over. It comes from focusing on that situation so much that we just get so wild up and we feel like we can't do anything. We're anxious, we're fearful, we don't know what to do. We have so much anxiety of that. And what prayer does is it switches our focus to God. It says, okay, this is going on, yet I'm gonna change my mind and I'm gonna focus on God. I may give him joy, I may rejoice, I may give him thanks, or I may just cry out to him and say, God, I need your help, I am extremely anxious right now. But it changes our focus. So I wrote some examples of this. If you're feeling anxious because you're afraid that your situation is, is impossible, that you're just overwhelmed, that there feels like there's a brick wall between you and where you wanna go, and you just can't get over it on your own. You can pray to God and remind yourself of the truth that's found in Psalms 37, 22 through 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. Though he might stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. You remind yourself that the Lord is for you. He's not against you. He is walking right next to you. That may seem impossible, but not impossible with God if that is his will. You can remind yourself of that and pray those truths 
to help you combat those thoughts that everything is overwhelming and I can't get over it. And the second example is, I'm worried that someone's gonna leave me. And this is a real feel that fear and a real anxiety that a lot of people have. Maybe you were abandoned by a family member, maybe you were abandoned by a loved one, maybe something happened where you're now fearful of someone leaving you. That is a real anxiety and a lot of times it causes us to not even get close to people or to get too close too quick. But what you can do is you can pray about it and you can remind yourself of the truth found in Deuteronomy 31.8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you, he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. This world is full of hurts. This world is full of pain, yet God promises he will never leave you. He will always be by your side. He will always love you. So when that anxiety comes up that you feel like someone may be leaving you, someone may be rejecting you, you can pray to God and remind yourself of that truth. And the last example I have is just a general anxiety. I just feel like I'm overwhelmed with absolutely everything in life. I don't even know what it is. It's work, it's relationships, it's my health, it's my diet, it's everything. I just feel like I'm anxious about everything in this world. You can pray to God about that. And you can remind yourself that he actually wants to hear those requests. In 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. He wants to hear those anxieties. When we have those thoughts, he wants you to come to him and pray them to him. He wants you to pray those anxieties. He wants you to cast those anxieties on him so he can help you carry them. So when we're feeling anxious, what we need to be reminded is that we can rely on God. And to rely on God could mean just praying to him. And to pray to him is very simple. And we talked about that technique of grounding. Prayer is a great grounding technique. When you feel like you're just overwhelmed by everything, your thoughts are going a million miles per hour, if you can focus your mind on just praying to God, it brings you back to reality. It brings you back to connecting with this world. It brings you back to connecting with things. It brings you back to a normal thought pattern. And I remember a couple weeks ago, I brought up a study that said if you spent 20 minutes in prayer, it literally changes your brain chemistry. That's still a true study, but I wanted to find a different study that would kind of prove the same point. And there's actually a lot of studies that do that. In one of these studies, I was reading the whole thing because I was actually really interested in it. They took a bunch of people who didn't pray but were religious and then put them on a regimen of praying daily. They didn't tell them how much they had to pray, how long they had to pray. They said, we wanted you to pray and meditate daily. And the people who did do that, they did a brain scan before and after. And the after brain scan re revealed that there was a lot more gray matter in their brain. And that may mean absolutely nothing to you guys. You don't know what gray matter is, but basically it's the ability to control your brain activity and stay more focused. It's the ability when those anxious thoughts come up and you're just wanting and your brain's going and going and going and you feel like you can't control it. When we pray and we make that a daily habit, prayer gives us that ability to focus again. It gives us the ability to control our brain. It gives us the ability to focus on God and the things that we can control instead of the things that we can't. So the second biblical principle for mental health that we see is to rely on God, is to pray for him when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling worried, when we're struggling. And then the third principle, and this one may be a tough one for us, but it's to rest. We do not like to rest. And I may be talking to myself, maybe I should say I don't like to rest. Um, some of you guys may not either, but we read this in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. What's really cool here is the peace of God, which comes through prayer and comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't make sense 
You could be in a very stressful situation, you could be in a very anxious situation, and you may have a piece that just makes no sense. And the term guard here is kind of what we're gonna focus on, but before we go to the guard, we'll go to heart and mind, which may seem like your actual heart and your actual mind. What that's talking about is your thoughts and your feelings. The heart and mind is related to your thoughts and your feelings, and this term guard is used in the military sense of someone going outside of your barricade, standing there and watching guard so the people on the inside could rest. And that's exactly what God's saying here. Through the peace of Christ, through the peace of God, we are able to rest because he is guarding us. We are able to rest in Christ because he is here, because he gives us his peace, because he loves us. We are now able to rest. God is guarding us and we can rest, but we hate rest. In today's society, we're told to do everything but rest. You're told to work a nine to five and even more hours than that, then come home and immediately start a home project and immediately start doing something else. Or if you're not starting something at home, you're now worried about work. You're told to work 24 seven. We don't know how to rest. And God thought it was so important that although he didn't even need rest, after he created the world, after he did creation, he rested himself. And then he looked down and said, man, humans don't wanna rest. I'm gonna create the Sabbath for them to follow. And even in that, that worked for a lot of people, but even in the Sabbath, there was a very standard Jewish tradition that they'd walk, you can only walk an X amount of miles from your home. So they'd walk that amount, then they'd set up a little picnic, have a little meal, eat some soup, and then they'd say, well, this is my home, and continue to walk more. They were looking for a way not to rest on the day that they were called to rest. It was crazy, but we don't like to rest. No one likes to rest, and rest can look very different for everyone. Rest may be sitting down and just reading scripture. Rest may be praying. Rest may be going for a walk. Rest looks very different, and we even see this in the Bible. When Elijah was fleeing, the angel came to him, and we read about it in 1 Kings 19.4-6. But he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. Is it... It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and laid down. This rest was a physical rest. There's also a spiritual rest. There's emotional rest. There's social rest. There's a lot of different rest that we can do. And again, I said it could be reading. It could be spending time in nature. There's a lot of studies that show how important spending time as nature is. It could be spending time with a good friend. It could be watching Netflix if you wanted to. It could be mowing the lawn. I know a lot of people hate mowing the lawn, but it could be restful if you like that. There's a lot of different ways to rest. But the one thing we need is to, we need to do it intentionally. Because if we don't rest intentionally, we're just going to continue to go, 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 go until we collapse. I remember once at Camp Portrait Hill when I was working, it was literally a 24-7 hour job, and I was in charge of kind of all the activities and even the weekend stuff, and I was working literally from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday for five, six weeks. I didn't even realize I was tired until I got a chance on a weekend to lay down in my bed without nothing to do, and I think I slept for 15 hours. It was amazing. I loved it and I felt re-energized, but a lot of times we don't realize we need to rest until we actually rest. And there's actually a really good sermon that I really enjoyed that, I, well, it sounds self, it's a decent sermon. I, I spoke it, so I don't want to give myself too much high praise. Um, but it was a couple years ago, it was on sedate phobia, which is the fear of silence, and it talks all about resting in a quiet place. 
That's on our YouTube, it's not on our podcast, but if you guys are interested about the idea of rest, I would highly encourage you to look at that video because it gives some very applicable steps on how to rest. Um, but yes, so that's the fourth, what is that, the third one? It's one of the principles, I think third principle. And we see this in counseling a lot of times when I sat down with my counselor three, four years ago, they asked me, what are you doing to rest? What are your hobbies that don't involve schoolwork? What are your hobbies that don't involve your work? What are your hobbies that don't involve physical activity? They asked me what I do to rest. It's a very common thing because a lot of times we don't rest intentionally. And the studies show that when we rest, it increases our productivity, it replenishes attention and energy, it helps us solidify our memories, encourages creativity, reduces stress, boosts immune system, and it increases our focus. So God calls us to rest in him, whether that's a physical, whether that's a spiritual, whether that's an emotional, whatever kind of rest you need. And it may look different in different parts of your lives. There may be two years ago where you really needed to just take a nap. And maybe this time you need to go on a walk in nature. Rest looks very different for different people in different seasons, but it's extremely important for us to rest. And then the fourth principle is what we call reframing. And if you guys have ever gone through counseling, you may know what that means, but we'll get to it in a little bit. It's in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is calling us to think on the things of God, think on the pure, the holy, the things that are God-honoring, that God wants us to think about instead of the things of this earth. And we see this idea furthered even more in Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what it is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is calling us to reframe our thoughts of this world, of the worries of this world, of the ideas, the beliefs, and the thoughts of this world, and reframe them into the thoughts, the beliefs, the values, the emotions, that God wants us to think about. And that's not easy, and it takes time, but we are called to reframe those from this perspective to the godly perspective. And I have some more examples of this. If you feel like you're just not talented enough that, hey, God's gifted that person with speaking even better than me, maybe they should be up here. If you feel like you're comparing to someone else, you can replace that with a biblical reframing in Psalms 139.14. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You were made intentionally by God. You were given gifts, abilities. He knows every single hair on your head for a purpose and for a reason. So while you're comparing, God's saying, I made you perfect in my eyes. I made you for a reason, and I love you just the way you are. So it's reframing from this biblical, I'm comparing myself to you, to God says, I am everything that he needs, despite my inadequacies. Another thought is, I just can't do anything right. Man, I go to work and I just get yelled at by my boss, man, in my relationships. I just feel like I'm doing everything wrong. Even driving, I cut off someone the other day without even knowing it. Like, you just feel like everything's wrong. But you can reframe that in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God is saying, even in our weaknesses, even when we feel like we are just doing everything wrong, God is saying, my grace covers absolutely all of that. 
My grace makes it perfect, and my grace is more than enough to cover your weaknesses. That is what the reframing looks like. And finally, the last example is just feeling everything's out of control. We're looking at this world, and we're just seeing everything go by. We're seeing natural disasters, seeing man-made disasters. We're seeing disasters left and right, seeing people dying. We're seeing all these things that are happening that we just feel like everything is out of control. And we can reframe that in Romans 8.28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. Those who are called according to his purpose. Everything is working together for God's purpose. God is in control. God loves us. God has a plan. And his plan is to bring him glory. And that will always happen. No matter what happens, no matter what this world seems like when it's out of control, God will always be brought to glory. And as I said, the psychological sound of this is reframing. It's just a, it's a counseling technique that almost every counselor uses. It's actually the basis of everything we kind of talked about up to this point, honestly. But it is shifting your mindset to look at a situation, thoughts, people, or relationships from a different perspective. And that's a psychological view of just saying any different perspective that's better than the one you think. But as Christians, we're called to shift our worldview from this world to a biblical, godly perspective. We're called to change our thoughts that we have, like everything's out of control, to saying, hey, God's got this. It's called to reframe our thoughts from this world to God. And obviously, this being a very popular counseling technique, there's a lot of scientific studies that show this. By the way, I have all, I don't want to bore you guys by listing the names of the studies and the websites of that, but I have all the information. If anyone enjoys reading studies or enjoys reading research, I can send you all the list of these, but I didn't want to put it up there. Um, just wanted to tell you guys that so you don't think I'm making all of this stuff up. But this reframing technique is proven to reduce anxiety, depression, improve quality of life, help with burnout, enhance communication, and much more. There was a lot of studies on this and I couldn't read all of them. But it is a very helpful technique for our mental health and also for our spiritual health. Is once we stop looking at this world and focusing on God, our thoughts all go to glorifying God instead of the worries and anxieties of this world. And the fifth principle we have for our mental health and also spiritual health is in Philippians 4 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What Paul is saying here is he's calling them to remember what they have learned from Paul, what Paul has told them in the past. He's saying you should also remember what I have, you have received, what you are learning right now, what you have heard from Paul and the other church leaders, and what you have seen other church leaders do. He's calling them to remember, and that's amazing that we do need to remember, but the part I love about this is the term practice. He's calling them to practice these things as well. Because what practice means is it's not a one and done decision. It's not just a one-time thing, I decided to change my mind to focus more on God, and now that's done. Because no, as we know, our mind's going to start going back to this world. Our anxious thoughts are going to go back to this world, to our fleshly desires instead of on God. It's something we need to continue to practice and remind ourselves to do. It's not something that's going to happen once and then be completely done. We need to keep reminding ourselves of the spiritual and mental lessons we've learned in the past and continue to practice them today. And with that, there's no psychological documentation on that, but I think we all remember that we forget stuff, or you forget that you forget stuff. You guys may forget a lot of things, you may not, but we need to constantly be reminded of the things we've learned in the past and constantly continue to practice the things we've learned in the past and new things.
So to recap that, the way we want to look at psychology is through a biblical lens of saying, hey, there are psychological studies, there are counseling techniques, but we don't want to just accept those without first looking at the Bible. And there may not be a verse that points exactly to it, but there may be a guiding principle, there may be a Holy Spirit, there may be something that says, hey, this really is according to my will. And you should do that. But if you're looking at this counseling technique, if you're looking at something that someone said, wow, this really helped my anxiety, and you're like, that really doesn't sound like it lines up with scripture, that's your key right there. You probably shouldn't do it. Because the Bible comes first, and our Christianity is first in that. And then we learn through that lens, through the biblical lens, we found that there's five principles, and this is not a complete list. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of more principles for our mental health. But this is just five in this one section of to be grateful, to rejoice in the things we do have, to rely and trust in God. And the third one was to rest. Take intentional time to take a nap. Take intentional time to go on a walk. Take intentional time to eat good food. Take intentional time to rest. And the fourth one was to reframe our thinking from this world to God. From this world and its worries to a godly perspective in what the scripture says. And the last one was to remember everything we've learned. Remember the lessons we've learned in the past. Remember and continue to practice those things. Continue to remind yourself, continue to practice, continue to continue doing those things. And with that, our series is coming to a close. But mental health never stops. The journey of mental health isn't done today since we finished our six-week series on mental health. It's not finished. Our mental health journey is gonna continue our entire lives just like our spiritual journey. And if you guys need help with that, and if you have questions to ask, if you wanna to talk to anyone, me and Lee are more than willing. Counseling professionals are amazing. A lot of times it's hard to find a biblical counselor. We have a list of biblical counselors if you guys wanna see them, but you can also always come to me and Lee, and the best part, it's free. <laughs> counselors are very costly. Yet you can come to your pastor and we will talk with you, and me and Lee have already said, if we ever feel like anything's outside of our wheelhouse, if someone's struggles are too far past the biblical explanations and what we can do, we would gladly refer them out as well. So if you guys have questions, if you have concerns, if you're like, man, I've been struggling with anxiety my whole life and I really, I really don't even know what the Bible says about it and I want more of a spiritual view, reach out to me and Lee. We will be here. Obviously, all the elders are there, but me and Lee literally get paid for that. Our phone number's in the back. It's on the website. We would love to continue this conversation because, again, our mental health journey doesn't stop here. It continues, and we want to, as a church, be support to all of you guys, your friends, and your family, so that we can be spiritually, mentally, physically, I'm trying to think of all the five, emotionally, relationally, all five of those cards. We can be healthy in each one of those aspects. So with that, let's pray. God, you are a God who loves every single aspect of us, Lord, and you are a God who is completely understanding of us. You have created us in such a way that you know each and every hair on our head and you know the struggles we have. You know everything that we struggle with, Lord. You know the issues we have in the past, the issues we have in the future, our mental health struggles, our mental illnesses. You know each and every one of that, Lord, and yet your grace covers that completely. And we thank you for that. We thank you for covering all of our inadequacies and covering every area where we fall short of your glory. You are truly your amazing God, Lord. And I ask as we go forward from here and we start applying these biblical truths in our lives, Lord, that you will help us to apply it. 
So we know we need your spirit in everything we do. We need your Holy Spirit guiding us, Lord. And I ask that you will just help us to continue to seek to be spiritually mature along with mentally healthy as well, Lord, as we want to glorify you with every aspect of ourselves. And we thank you for the truths you have given us in your Bible and how they speak years beyond when they were written, Lord. They have never become outdated and they will never become outdated because you are a living God. And we thank you for the lens that we can view this world through, Lord, in a biblical, God-honoring lens. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.